calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, junkies. Well, I have Slay's ending all figured out. I believe everything comes to a conclusion seven episodes from the one you're about to listen to. This book should end on episode 33. Now, of course, we might do a Q&A episode or two, depending on how many junkies are into this tale. I'm also halfway done with Warpath, the novel I can't talk about because I am under an NDA. I know, I know, it's weird. Warpath is a non-Sigliverse novel. It is something completely new and very different from me, although I will say, as I'm writing it, this is some old school Sigler bitches. A lot of blood, a lot of death, a lot of horror. So we should be done with Slay Book One in August. Then that goes to Big John Viscara for the first continuity edit, which puts it on the path toward publication as a print book and ebook and as a full audiobook with no ads. I should be done with the first draft of Warpath sometime in mid November, and I'll be sending that off to the publisher who must not be named. I told you. NDAs are weird. And then it's time for the final draft of GFL Book 7, which I hope will be out in time for the 2024-2025 football season. Those of you who are hoping to get that book before the 2023 season starts, sorry, that is not going to happen. And then when GFL Book 7 is done, I move on to the Crypt Book 2, and it's a whole lot of Crypt after that. As you can hear, I am extremely busy, and I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm tired. I'm really, really tired. Let's get you caught up on Slay, and then we're all going to go schedule ourselves a series of power naps. Previously on Slay. Lincoln went to Cordis to find out why Dylan Cantrell hadn't delivered Lincoln's gold to Bengals, only to learn that Dylan had been mugged by some thugs who were shaking down Cantrell and Cantrell and the surrounding neighborhood. Lincoln is unhappy with said thugs and is paying them a visit. Meanwhile, Billy needs to learn how to fight, and fast, if he's going to survive the next few days. Can Link and Magda teach him the basics? Find out next on Slay, episode number 26.
Lincoln knew he should ask around a bit first, but he didn't feel like it. He knew he should knock, see if a civilized conversation of thinly-veiled threats and not-so-thinly-veiled promises of cutting off fingers and toes could get the job done, but he didn't feel like doing that either. What Lincoln did feel like doing was punching assorted motherfuckers in their assorted mouths. That's what he felt like doing. He push-kicked the front door of Tapestry Travesties. The door was painted an awful color he could only describe as puke sepia. It ripped off the hinges and flew inward, hitting someone and knocking them to the ground. The door landed atop a person, a man judging by the deep-throated moan of pain. The place was, as one might expect, covered in wall-to-wall racks of hanging tapestries. Tapestries were rolled up in stacks on tables. The floor was covered with them. Behind the counter at the rear of the store stood two pointy-eared kobolds who were apparently counting money. Piles of bills, a small mountain of jewelry, and gold coins stacked up like they were close to winning a bracelet at the World Series of Poker. Hi, Lincoln said. Which one of you deflated blow-up dolls is named Artie? One kobold, the one with pockmarked green skin the color of snot, pointed to the other one, who was a sickly shade of purple-brown. Lincoln recognized the purple-brown one. He'd seen the kobold wearing a Christmas sweater that read, When I think about you, I touch my elf, complete with a stitched-on, smiling elf that hung over his crotch. You're that shit-sickle who thinks it's fun to kidnap and murder helpless girls, Lincoln said. From up in Lumencia. Remember that time I decapitated your friends? That was awesome. Lincoln didn't need to worry if Artie remembered him. The pointy-toothed mouth hanging open and the wide red eyes told him Artie remembered him just fine. There's no bounty on me, Artie said, his raspy voice trembling. And I... I I didn't kill that girl. My friend, I mean, uh, the other guy killed that girl. You you can't just come in here and whack us all. No, Artie, Lincoln said. Just you. Artie seemed to recover a bit. His wide eyes narrowed. He tried to hide his fear under a mask of bravado. You aren't killing anyone, bounty hunter. Newman, get up and deal with this asshole. The man on the ground grunted, pushed the door off himself. He was a big, muscle-bound bastard, probably 300 pounds, and wearing a too-tight white t-shirt. He looked like a normal human, but one peaking on his fifth cycle of roids. And on his forehead was... was... My guy, Lincoln said. Is that the primary cast of Seinfeld tattooed on your forehead? Yeah, the man stood. Seven feet tall, easy. I like that show. What a piece of work. Well, you must like it a lot, Lincoln said. Do you like your balls? The man's face wrinkled. Huh? Lincoln kicked the man in the crotch with the same force he'd used to knock the door off its hinges. So hard, it lifted Newman right off his feet. The big fella 
was already tucking into the fetal position before he thudded onto the tapestry-covered floor. You put your hands on my friend, Newman. Lincoln knelt next to him. That was a bad idea. Lincoln balled his armor-clad fist and blasted the man in the nose, which broke with a loud crunch. You really shouldn't! Lincoln punched him in his right ear. Have put your hands! He punched him in his left ear. On my friend! He punched him in his right eye. You meat-brained mountain! He punched him in his left eye. Of steamy wyvern shit! Lincoln stood. Saw his mailed knuckles were spotted with blood. He wiped them on a hanging tapestry. Ah, I needed that, he said. Now for you, Farty. Do you like it when I call you Farty? Oh, like I've never heard that one before, Artie said. Oh, oh, you're saying I'm not clever. Lincoln walked to the counter. All right, here's a witty rejoinder for you. Ten minutes from now, you're going to walk down to Cantrell and Cantrell and pay that man double what you took from him. Artie blinked. Perhaps surprised, he might make it out of this alive. Yeah, 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 sure, no problem, he said. No problem. We can work that out. Do you? Oh, I'm, I'm not done being witty, Lincoln said. When you mug Cantrell, you cause me significant inconvenience. You know what I don't like, Artie? I don't like inconvenience. To make it up to me, you will pay me 70 pieces of gold and 60 of silver. Lincoln picked up a banded stack of $100 bills, gave the edges a little flip. And these Benjamins. He put the stack into a cloak pocket. Artie glanced at the ill-gotten gains laid out on the counter, as if wondering if Lincoln realized just how much lay there. Yeah, 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 I know you got more than that, Lincoln said. And not even counting what you might have in the back. Aside from what you took from Dylan and what you need to get square with me, the rest of your goodies is your business. It ain't my concern. At least, it's not until someone puts out a contract on you for being a cho-gobbling thug that shakes people down. But if you keep shaking people down... I will go door to door in this neighborhood offering my services to anyone who wants to put a contract on you and I will share with them my 75% off coupon code. By the way, that coupon code is I will cut off Farty's arm and fist fuck him with it. Now I know that's a little long for a coupon code. Uh, Do you need a pencil? Do you need to write this down, Artie? Artie slowly shook his head. No. I'm pretty sure I can remember that one. Good, Lincoln said. Oh, I almost forgot. I've got some more wit for you. You will also make sure nothing happens to Dylan Cantrell, to Cantrell and Cantrell, or to anyone associated with that business. If some drunk driver accidentally runs a horse-drawn wagon over Dylan, that's on you. If some random kid hoses down their business with graffiti, On you. He accidentally asphyxiates on his own vomit in the back of an old Renault 5? On you. Do you get the picture, Artie? Or should I say, can you see what's stitched on the tapestry? Yeah, 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 sure, Rixator. I can see it just fine. Artie grabbed a leather bag 
started shoveling coins into it. He handed it to Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, your friends, they won't have any more trouble from us. But, uh, I mean, come on. Come on. If we can't work the neighborhood, how are we supposed to make a living? Well, you could try selling one of these ugly-as-fuck hanging carpets. Lincoln put the bag into a cloak pocket. See? Now that's witty right there. Wouldn't you agree? Artie nodded. Yeah, yeah, sure. I agree. Super witty. Lincoln left the place, pausing just long enough to give Newman a solid kick in the ribs. It was time to get square with Bingles. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Billy and Magda circled on the training mat, their fists raised. Dragon ran in mad, ear-flapping circles around the mat's edge, his tiny claws clicking with each step. The dog had the rips something fierce. Get your guard up, Magda said. Billy glanced at his right hand, a reactive gesture to make sure it was where he knew it already was. But my guard is up! Magda's hand shot forward and flicked Billy in the nose. Ow! Billy said, covering his nose with his hands. Man, that hurt! Never take your eyes off your opponent when you're this close, even for an instant. Magda's hand shot out again, this time slapping Billy's cheek. And get your guard up! Billy's fists returned to their proper position. He bounced lightly on his feet, looking for an opening in Magda's defense. She didn't bounce. Her feet slid, sometimes on the mat, sometimes not even an inch above it. With her guard up and her knees bent, she made for a short, wide, well-protected target with some serious junk in her trunk. She had told Billy to go full out. Well, what the lady wants, the lady gets. Billy pivoted, aimed a snap kick at her head. She stepped back, caught his ankle where it should have connected with her face. She turned her shoulders, pulling a hopping Billy forward, then kicked his other leg out from under him. He landed flat on his back, the air rushing out of his lungs. Ow! He wheezed. You're not supposed to sweep the leg, Johnny. That was only a trip. If I had swept the leg, we'd be scheduling knee replacement surgery for you. Now get up! Billy would have preferred to lay there for a bit, but she grabbed his wrist and hauled him to his feet. 
I thought Linda told you to train me, he said. If I want to get my ass kicked, I'll just go for a walk in my own neighborhood. Speaking of kicks, why did you try that? She wasn't talking to him like a child, but her question made him feel like one. He had seen people throw kicks on TV, in movies, and on the internet, but he had never tried it in an actual fight. To knock you the fuck out, he said. Obviously. She pointed to his feet. Give me a good base. He spread his feet a little wider than shoulder width, bent his knees. Without warning, her hand shot out and pushed his chest. He stumbled back a step, but he didn't fall. Magda smiled. See? Good job. So good, in fact, you get a reward. You want me to show you the real trick to the crane kick, Daniel-san? Did he want to learn the trick to the coolest move of all time? Fuck yeah, I do, Pop. Let's get it. Rad, Magda said. She rubbed her hands together. Okay, now get in the crane position, just like you saw in the movies. Billy raised his hands above his head, lifted one knee high, tried to see where he would land the kick. Magda's hand shot out and pushed Billy again. Only this time, he flew backward and slammed against the rack of wooden sparring weapons. Ah, ow, he said. Dragon shot in and machine gun licked Billy's face. Billy gently pushed the dog away. All right, all right, I guess it's pretty stupid of me not to see that coming. It was, Magda said. When you fight, little peen, keep both feet on the ground. The real world ain't crouching tiger, hidden dragon, and you ain't no Bruce Lee. The only exceptions to that are a surprise kick to break someone's kneecap, which I'll show you in a minute, and a full-on snap kick to the jimmy bag. Broken knees and a kick to the nuts? Man, it ain't like that where I'm from, Billy said. People get jumped, sure, but most of the time, you know, a beef gets settled in a straight-up brawl. You don't kick a guy in the balls in a straight-up brawl. Magda nodded. Yeah, yeah, okay, I see. Did you get into any of those straight-up brawls? Of course I did. Can't talk my way out of everything, you know. I'm not the toughest around, but I ain't no bitch either. And, uh, I mean, no offense. None taken. How many of these straight-up brawls did you win? Hmm. Let me see. Carry the two. Round up. Uh, zero. Didn't I already tell you I suck at fighting? You suck at fighting fair, Magda said. Lincoln has a saying I like. A fair fight is a fight you lose. You need to learn this ain't about honor, kid. This ain't about clips on YouTube or two dumbasses squaring off in a bar. In my world, in Lincoln's world, and now in your world, fighting is about surviving. You know the real lesson from Karate Kid? How could Billy ever forget such brilliance? He understood where this was going. Yeah, I do. First, learn stand, then learn fly. Mr. Miyagi's philosophy, right? I need to learn the basics from you before I can fuck Miyagi, Magda said. 
child labor abusing, no fly catching, bald ass motherfucker. No, I'm talking about the real lesson, the Cobra Kai lesson. What is it? Uh, strike first, strike hard, no mercy? Corrective mundo, honey bunny, Magda said. The best fight is the one that you don't get into. The second best fight is the one where you put your opponent down before they even know a fight is on. You want to know what the third best fight is? Billy had no idea. He shook his head. There is no third best fight, Magda said. Everything else is a shit show where you can get hurt, where you can get dead. Now, get back in your stance and let me show you how to break a motherfucker's knee. Lincoln heard the orgy from two blocks away. Blazing hells. He had to make this payment now and get back to Lumencia. Only an hour left on Bengals' deadline. Lincoln was not interested in finding out what happened if you missed Bengals' deadline. He knocked on the door, wincing at the sound of what had to be a dozen sex-crazed gnomes going at it. He hoped, nay, he prayed, that the gangbang, or whatever this sordid soiree might be, was going down somewhere other than the front room. The door opened, and there stood not-so-tiny Tim, smiling wide, his skin sheened with sweat, holding a large cardboard box in front of his crotch. Well, hello there, Mr. Tall, Gray, and Mysterious! You're here for game night, right? Every time Lincoln came to this place, he saw something that could not be unseen. Every goddamn time. No, I came to pay my bill. Well, lucky you, Tim said, because we just started a new game, Mr. Man. It's called Seven and Then Some. See, you ask, what's in the box? And then let's play a different game called Shut the Fuck Up and Take My Fucking Money. Tim frowned. Ah, Lincoln, you're no fun. What if I put on some Justin Timberlake just to set the mood? How about no? Lincoln held out the bag of gold. Take this so I can leave. Bingles has to take the payment, Mr. Man. Oh, come on, my game is so much fun. Come on, give me your best Brad Pitt. Sure. Lincoln reached into his cloak and drew his hatchet. I'll do Aldo Reigns from Inglorious Bastards, and I'll cut a swastika in your forehead. Only, it won't be your forehead. A shame, Tim said. You had foreskin right there for the taking, and you missed it. I can see why you're a bounty hunter and not a comedian. Come in and shut the door. I'll go get Bingles. Tim turned so quick that Lincoln didn't have time to look away before he was flashed by Tim's little naked butt. That, too, was sheened in sweat. Another thing that could not be unseen. Tim left the room. Lincoln wondered which of his life choices had led him to this particular moment. Probably all of them. He wasn't good at life choices. And the sound of the orgy? It was louder in here. Oh, joy. 
After a moment, Bingles walked in wearing a pink bathrobe, a purple dildo the size of a Louisville slugger clutched in his hand. Blazing hell, Bingles, Lincoln said, averting his eyes. Did you have to bring your freak toy in here with you? Bingles waggled the dildo. Blink, this bludgeon is some of the best sex thread work in all of Cordis. With this bad mofo, I'm like Morris Day on the greatest track of the time's third album, 1984's Ice Cream Castles. You know the one I'm talking about. I literally have no idea what you're talking about, and please don't tell me. If the kid can't make you come, nobody can, Bingo said. An absolutely brilliant song. It me. Only substitute gnome for kid, you know, because I'm a gnome. And no, I can't leave Mjolnir here, back there, because not-so-tiny Tim will fucking steal it. Like that guy isn't already packing enough artillery to destroy a dozen Russian tanks in one salvo. He had named his dildo Mjolnir. Of course he had. Without looking at Bingles, Lincoln held out the bag. Here's your gold, paid in full. Bingles took the bag. You know, I was just saying to Deedly Boopa, she's our accountant, we were playing naked whack-a-mole, I was just saying, that Lincoln bitch better have my money. And here you are, my bitch. Bingles was good at his job and had done Lincoln a solid, but the guy was annoying as the fifth level of hell. Man, I gotta go, Lincoln said. Aw, oh, come on, you're not staying for game night? No, I am not. All right, next time then. Bingles paused. When he spoke, his voice held a colder tone. Say, Link, have you felt something weird up there in Lumencia? Weird? Weird like how? Like, like dark, Bingles said. I was cleaning up a site last night in the financial district. I felt a presence, like someone new, like someone really powerful is in town. Lincoln thought of the sensation he had felt when he'd gone to Billy's apartment. Yeah, I've felt it. You know who it is? I don't, Bingle said. And I don't want to know. Never felt it before. It smells like, like real power. Word on the streets is that the Bastion is looking into it. Good. The Bastion had the resources and the desire for something like that. Lincoln had neither. I gotta go, man, he said. You get back to your, uh, your game night. Will do. Next up is Fetish Dice, my favorite. Oh, by the way, I gotta let you know, your friend price is revoked. From now on, if I do a cleanup for you on credit, I gotta charge you triple. Aw, Bingles? Lincoln put his hand over his heart. Are you saying that we're not friends anymore? Bingles, again, waggled the dildo at him. Did I say that, bitch? I did not. I said, you don't get friend prices. Extending you credit is a financial risk. I, as a business owner, have to mitigate that risk. Mitigate risk? Listen to yourself. It's me, Bingles. I'm always good for it. The math says otherwise. Math? What the actual fuck, Bingles? You have an actuarial table on people who don't pay you on time or something? As a matter of fact, we do have an actuarial table, Bingle said. 
although we call it the Cracksuarial Table on account of Deedly Boopa does the table for us. And she's got a crack so fine, it's like silk soaked in butter and drizzled with Tupelo honey. I mean, that girl spread her legs and pure summer sunshine blazes out that snatch like a searchlight calling out to storm-bedraggled sailors. I mean, you dip your wick in that melted wax just one time, and I don't want to hear about Deedly Boopa's crack, okay? I don't want to hear about it. The gnome shrugged. Well, best to mail your cock an apology card, because if you don't tap that keg, you're no true friend of Dick. Lincoln closed his eyes, and he shook his head. The entendre onslaught was just too much. Look, Bingles, I'm not going to pay you triple. Yeah, you will. Then I'll get someone else. Someone else? Do you have any idea the kind of message you make, Link? Any idea of how much cleanup goes into one of your little escapades? If you were a real pro, like Ice Pick, you would do things neater, cleaner. What the hell was this sexed-up, little-bearded person talking about? My jobs are neat and clean. Bingles laughed. He laughed so hard, his prodigious belly jiggled. Your jobs are neat and clean, Oh, sweet Jeebus, save me. I mean, your jobs look like a starving vampire feasted on a dozen Devil's Island inmates suffering from severe cholera. Then he got the blood shits and splatterfart an entire Jackson Pollock exhibit. I mean, your jobs look like enough, Lincoln said. Just, oh my God, Blazing Hills, you're so disgusting. Bengals smiled wide. All true artists are misunderstood in their lifetimes, bitch. I'll see you soon. When you call me for a cleanup, I won't call you. Yes, you will. Bingles waggled the dildo. And I'll even be a nice guy and leave Mjolnir here at home. So, so many things that could not be unseen. Time to head for home. Lincoln left, shutting the door behind him. There were other wipers in Cordis. As good as Bingles and his crew? Not really, but. I mean, it had to be good enough. If it even got to the point where cleanup was necessary, Lincoln would be grateful. He had four bounty hunters to take out. Odds were, one of them would be calling Bingles to clean up Lincoln's remains. And if that turned out to be a Jackson Pollock of a mess, well, Lincoln really didn't care. have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.